My name is Dave Severns. want to welcome you to Postscript today. This is a podcast of Compass Point Bible Church where we just kind of sit for 20 minutes and unpack what we've heard together on Sunday. With me here today is not Paul Eastwood, but is Brad Clink. How's it going, Brad? Yeah, it's going pretty well, Dave. Thanks for having me in. Excellent. I am glad you're here. Um, Paul, our fearless leader who preached on Sunday, is off for some well-deserved rest and time away. Um, and you actually got a bit of rest and time away this weekend as well. So you've caught up, you've listened to the sermon, got to watch Paul do it thanks to the magic of video. Um, and we're going to just uh, have a little chat about what we heard. And, and we're in this series on the epistles and figuring out what it is um, to follow Jesus, what it looks like. Uh, just a little quick recap here, and you can fill in anything you want here. Sure. Um, Paul preached out of 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 10, and kind of looked at these, uh, these pictures that Paul, the apostle, gave to Timothy of of three people who, who are following Christ and three examples of things we can be like. So talked about the soldier, how the soldier is diligent and not distracted. Um, talked about the athlete and the dedication that it requires to be an athlete and how you can't follow your own rules and how that's the same when we're following Jesus. Uh, and then the farmer, how the farmer is focused and, and working long and not, you, they have to put in the long, hard hours required to, to make things grow. Um, and how all of those are a bit like what we need to do when we come. Discipling isn't something we can just kind of choose to put in the corners. Jesus doesn't say, hey, when you got a few minutes, make sure you're you know, reading a couple Bible verses here and there. He asks for all of us to come. Um, so we've all got areas to grow in all three of these. Is that a, that a fair synopsis of what we heard? Yeah, I think so. Sums up pretty well. Awesome. And then, of course, lastly, the both at the beginning and end of this passage, this um, exhortation to remember that that empowerment comes from Jesus and we need to remember the person of Jesus, the example of Jesus, be following him, becoming more like him. Um, we are followi- followers of him, uh, which is great. But Paul asked at the close of the sermon, let's start at the end, what of these three things, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, the diligent, the dedicated, the focused, which of these three things are we weakest in as, as individuals? So mm-hmm. you've had not five minutes to reflect <laughs> on this, Brad. What do you think? What, which one resonates the most with you right now? Yeah, he said he said that uh, you know we're all a part of all three a little bit, and to some degree, I see myself in all three. Uh, but certainly, the concept of being distracted is uh, seemed to be the one that resonated most with me. It's pretty easy to get my eyes on to to different things, to things going on around me, to mm. uh, opinions that are coming at me, to to needs of. Um, you know, my family or those around me to, to uh, tasks of the job and to get uh, get get my eyes focused off of uh, off of Jesus, and uh, and I think that's uh, probably something a lot of us can resonate with. It's 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 easy to be distracted from what it what it truly means to be a disciple and follow Jesus. Absolutely, yeah. It's so tough to to remember the main things and to not let these peripheral things just kind of pull us away. And uh, yeah, we all struggle with it. Um, yeah, I, so I definitely had moments where I thought the distraction, the, so the, the need to be diligent, the need to be more like the soldier was me. I also see, um, and maybe it's just because of Lent. I talked a bit about Lent on Sunday, but hmm. I've, I've chosen to give up a couple of things for Lent, including television, uh, which is really great and surprisingly hard, uh, as well as time on my phone. I've, I've used, uh, my phone has this feature called downtime, so I can turn off all of the apps except messaging in the Bible app between 5 p.m. and 7 a.m., which is great. And I'm realizing how much I have these habits 
um, that maybe aren't terribly helpful. These things that I go to, these things that I do. Um, and in, in this season of Lent, this attempt to refocus and to build some new habits, uh, to kind of follow the rules of, of, I mean, they're not rules, but this invitation to listen to Jesus, to be in communion with him um, throughout my day. I'm just realizing how much, uh, yeah, there is a certain amount of dedication required. Um, and it's this intentional giving things up, right? I mean, there's a reason that I am not an Olympic athlete. Uh, I think I like food far too much. Um, and, you know, the discipline it would take, uh, the dedication it would take to do that is, is you know, sounds just crazy. And yet, yeah. <laughs> we as disciples, we're all called to this level of dedication of following Jesus relentlessly, right? Giving up um, whatever kind of gets in our way. And different things for different people. Uh, but that's definitely the one that resonated with me there. Um, Paul challenged us, again, to be more than Christians, just a name. When we're coming to church to think about Jesus and not the music, not the speaker, not the building. How, how do you think we can do that better here in our context? Hmm. How, how can we encourage each other to do that and encourage ourselves? Do we, do we need to spend more time praying before we come to church or, um, you know, because it, it looks different for all of us. Any, any thoughts around that? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, certainly having the perspective that's bigger than the the thing you're coming to, or the uh, the people you're going to see, or what's going on in the church service. Having that that perspective that's bigger, and and for for me, it as I, as I live out my week, sort of preparing for uh, Sunday or between Sundays. Um, you know, things like. Things like practicing hospitality together with mm. with others, uh, both in the church and outside of the church. Um, things like uh, you know sending the text message to a buddy when when you're reading something in scripture that that pops out a certain way to you or causes uh, his name to come to mind. And you know, just thinking of you, read this today, thought of you, that that kind of stuff. Those those ongoing practices really help to. to frame and, and, and prepare you for the ritual of sort of the seven day gathering uh, that happens mm. on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned hospitality there and you and I have talked lots about this, but not on this podcast. So, yeah. so unpack for me, what does that look like when you say practicing hospitality? What does that look like in you and your family's lives? Yeah. It's looked like different things for different seasons. Okay. Um, uh, you know, when we had when we had young kids, um, it looked like the the way I would interact when I was standing on the blacktop outside the school waiting for my kids uh, to come out. It was not yeah. playing on my phone. It was it was talking to the other parents. It was engaging. It was, uh, you know, it, it looked like it looked like going to the park and instead of sitting on the bench or pushing my kids on the swing by myself, I would you know intentionally go to the swing next to somebody and 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 engage in a conversation. And so uh, that sort of welcoming and inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. and, and uh, certainly as we've as my kids have got a little bit older, it's got a little bit easier to have more and more people into our home. Um, I know uh, we don't have a big home, a fancy home. Uh, it's very rarely a very clean home, uh, mm -hmm. but it is our home. And having people in and having them see our context and understand who we are and uh, sharing stories. And uh, my, my kids, they, they think it's hilarious to share embarrassing stories about me when we have people over. Sure, sure. And, uh, you good. know, so who doesn't find that fun except me, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> but, but just that inviting people into your world and your life and your experience, I think, uh, I think, 
I think hospitality can can look like um, you know meeting somebody for the first time on a Sunday morning and mm. saying, "Hey, do you want to you want to go out for lunch or come out for lunch with with us or um, doing coffee with uh, with that neighbor who you you know shoveled off a driveway beside them for 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 months and and yet you know you you don't know their their first name or you're just used to waving at them taking that next and next step. I think yeah. hospitality can look like different things in different contexts, but that's some of the ways it's looked look like in my life. Okay, that's that's great. Now, just out of curiosity, I think I know the answer to this question, but others may not. Is that something that comes easily and naturally to you? Are you naturally an extrovert? Do you love people all the time? Or is it something you're like, okay, I can do this. You got to work yourself up. And then like something that's become more habit, more, um, more the sense of you had to be dedicated and work on it and diligently try to do it and develop it. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly more like the, the, the farmer picture than it is sort of something, uh, something naturally that happens for me. It takes Mm. some hard work. I'm a, I'm a natural introvert. I, I prefer most evenings to be, you know, home with my family, uh, reading or watching a movie or doing something that's a little less people oriented. Uh, and so it's had to be a learned, uh, a learned kind of thing to incorporate into my life. Now, uh, that's mean that means that there's been seasons where I've had to be really intentional, even even putting down a Sunday per month on our calendar where this is the week we're having somebody over far before we know who that's going to be, hmm. you know, and those kind of practices. So for for me, it's a it's a desire to want to honor God with all that I have and who I am. And, um, and in my life that requires intentionality or things don't happen. And so it's, it's, um, it's kind of a learned thing, but I think it's something that, that we are all, uh, called to and called to learn to some degree, whether it's our natural bent or not. Yeah. And we, we see this with the spiritual gifts in general, right? There, some people come, uh, and have naturally strong giftings in certain areas, but it doesn't exclude us all from engaging in all of them. It's not It's not because like that person has the gift of generosity. I don't have to be generous. No, it just means they've just got a phenomenal ability to do that. And that's great. And we can look to them and, ha- and learn from their model, but we all need to engage in generosity and hospitality and loving others around us and all of these things. Yeah. Um, when I first started to be intentional about being more hospitable in my yeah. world, it was because I saw it so radically practiced by a mentor of mine hmm. uh, who would have people and he and his wife into their home all the time. And you just felt like you were home and have our family and our young rowdy kids over. They were, they were 20 years, our senior, they'd have our rowdy kids over for, you know, new years. And we played board games or, you know, those hmm. times when you're really supposed to hang out with your own family or do your own thing or go to a big party and and it just that 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 um natural what was natural for them um was helpful for us in in learning how to be better in that area yeah and we so rachel and i have the same kind of story um when we lived in lethbridge we were there for seven years and there were a number of families uh who who invited us into their homes and had us regularly including a family that had us over for christmas and not just like come over for christmas dinner but like come over on Christmas Eve, sleep over at our house, wake up early. This was before we had kids, you know, enjoy Christmas morning with our kids, stay for Christmas afternoon. Like we, we did the whole thing with them. Wow. Um, and, you know, we rightly so in many ways, we value these times. Uh, they've been kind of set up as, as cultural things where we spend time together with family. Uh, and that's good. But the Bible redefines what family is in these ways. Right. And, and asks us to invite people in. Um, and we've, 
we, we experienced that early in our marriage with people inviting us in that way. And we've, we've said since then, this is something we need to learn how to do. And both Rachel and I are natural introverts. We want, you know, love our alone time. Um, but yeah, we, we also have to be intentional and say, okay, who are we having over this week? What are we doing? Where do we make space in our calendar? Um, and it, it does require sacrifice and giving of ourselves, but it's so, so very good. Yeah. That's um, what I appreciated about Paul's message is the concept hmm. of, yeah, you know, it, it is hard. It may not be natural. There will be some, you know, suffering like at the beginning of the passage that Paul was talking about when, yeah. when Paul invites us into this suffering and then this sacrifice. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, it is, it is hard, but as Paul said at the end of his message, but it is, you know, infinitely worth it. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so we've talked about hospitality. Um, what are some other kind of really practical things that we can engage in that will help us become more diligent, dedicated, and focused? Um, any, any practices you'd love to see in, in the people here at Compass Point, you'd love us to develop together? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think using the rhythms of your life, uh, the sort of the natural rhythms to, uh, to embed times, to, to in, uh, reflect on God, to, uh, to, to pray. I was talking to somebody this morning and uh, we were talking about prayer. And, you know, when you're starting out in the Christian journey and people and early at, at Alpha have questions about prayer and it starts off with, you know, a time of day when they're going to set aside to pray. And that's mm. and that's great. And as we as we grow in that, those 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 times spread out to, OK, now I'm going to pray before my meals or I'm going to I'm going to recognize God's activity around me and pray then. And as we as we practice these rhythms in our life, it, it gradually expands to kind of a way of being until we can really be, you know, praying continually and, and, and considering all that God is up to and doing around us and, and through us through our through our days. Hmm. And so what starts off as a as a rhythm or something very intentional, if we incorporate it into those natural touch points during our day, uh, can blossom into something much bigger. Okay. I, I yeah. think about I think about my kids and yeah. how you know uh, in, in our house we have dinner together as a family every every day and we uh, we go around you know how was your day tell us some good things that happened some hard things that happened and 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 those are those are uh, touch points for for teachable moments in terms of portraying uh, or conveying faith and helping our kids to understand faith in in the real life of everyday stuff mm -hmm. uh, people um, you know being made fun of at school or or, or hard things or not doing well in a test or those sort of everyday everyday things and the same the same thing you know having that rhythm of, of uh, meal times and, and bedtime and, and being intentional around those conversations mm -hmm. helps helps faith to be infused into you know all of life and, yeah. and versus a, a Sunday thing or a um, you know list of rules thing or, or whatever else mm -hmm. uh, it might it might become. Um, so certainly I'd encourage us as, as, a, as a Compass Point community to, to uh, look at the rhythms of our life and how those rhythms can, uh, can help us to be mindful of what God's doing uh, mm -hmm. uh, around us and through us and how we can engage with him through those rhythms. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I love the, um, the ancient practice of examine. Um, Ignatius, who's one of the you know, early saints of the church uh, had this practice of, of examine is what he called it. And at the end of every day, you take a, a number of moments. It doesn't have to be half an hour, an hour, but just a number of moments to sit down and say, where was God present today? Where in my life am I thankful for God's presence? Or I could see him working, was, was aware of it, was interacting with God's presence. And, you know, be thankful for those. And then where was God absent? 
what are those moments I need to mourn because there's sin in my life or sin in the world and brokenness in the world around me or those moments that I, I chose things that I probably could have made better choices if I'd been aware that God's presence is filling me right yeah. now. Um, and this is where we get our questions for our kids, right? Where's, where's God working around you? Where's God working through you? And what could you use more of God's help with? Um, I would encourage anyone, if you're doing those questions with your kids, answer them with your kids. Don't, yeah. don't just ask them, but, but also answer those questions and, and find in those moments that, that ability to reflect in your own day and to invite God in. It's amazing. Um, so I, I went to Briarcrest and part of my experience at Briarcrest was this guy named Bill Atrace. And Bill uh, has been around forever. He's a local farmer and he hung out on our hall and ate with us in the dining hall. And you always started sweating when you saw Bill coming because he would sit down beside you and say, hey, Dave, what's God teaching you today? And you think, oh, <laughs> no, no I have to make something up. Um, but you learned pretty quickly that when Bill was around, that's something he was going to ask you. And so it, it developed in everyone who ate in the dining hall, this ability to, to think, what's God doing in my life in case Bill comes <laughs> up? Um, you know, and it was kind of motivated by fear in some ways, but but actually, it's a, it's a practice I've deeply appreciated because now I think, what is God doing in my life today? If Bill was here, what, what would he think? And I saw someone from Briarcrest this weekend, and we were joking about it. It's one of the things we remember is this this constant question and this, this discipline, yeah. which I think yeah. is great. Yeah, you, you asked earlier, like, how can we, uh, you know, what can we practice or help each other in terms of growing in our faith and becoming more like uh, like Christ? And it's one of those, it's one of those ways is to, is to ask each other questions like that mm. and to help each other see the, uh, see the activity of God. Uh, I was talking to some small group leaders this past Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago, I guess, and we were, uh, we were talking about the practice of spiritual direction. Yeah. Of, of this this helping others around you to see the activity of God and 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 pointing out do, do you realize that story you're telling me that's that's God at work God's doing something there or asking questions like Bill you know what what are you um, what are you learning what is God teaching you now mm -hmm. helping others to see God's activity recognize God's activity and become more attuned to to his voice and his his uh, movement of his spirit around you and uh, I, I love that that um, that idea of spiritual direction as, as something we can help each other with. Yeah, uh, that's great. So, I mean, you, you're touching, I'm just going to bring it to small groups because this is an area where you spend <laughs> a lot of time. Um, what does this look like in our small groups? I mean, we, we talked to hospitality is obviously something that we we mostly do personally and with, with our families. Um, examine is something, again, personal and with families. And, and we're getting into spiritual direction now in this what does this look like in community? How do we help one another? Um, what, is, what does this look like in our small groups? Um, why is it important to be involved in some kind of small group in this way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think small groups offer a unique opportunity that we, we, uh, we miss in a lot of our world today, which is having relationships with uh, other Christ followers where there's implicit or explicit permission given to to ask that one question beyond what you'd be comfortable asking most people, right? It's mm -hmm. it's going that. Uh, so we talk about the the uh, parable of the prodigal son, and we get talking about forgiveness. Yeah. And the question is, you know, how radical is the forgiveness of the father who hugs that younger son coming coming home? And and you know, the 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 small group can go to okay now. 
how can we show that forgiveness? Hmm. Uh, you know, how can we as the, you know, the general, uh, we Christ followers show that same sort of forgiveness and the small group can go one step beyond and say, is there anybody in, in your life that you need to forgive? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was in a small group once where somebody said, well, I got these, I got some issues with my mom that I really need to talk to her about. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'd love to talk to her, but I want to do it face to face. And, and there was no, uh, she had young kids at, at home, this, this mom and, and uh, one of the other per- person in her small group said, hey, I'll look after your kids one day for an afternoon. You go visit your mom and mm. you have this conversation. And so there was a, there was A, the idea came up in small group. There was some accountability because that that lady knew that people were going to ask her, well, how did, how's it going with your mom? And yeah. then there was actually a tangible help to say, I can, I can help make this happen. And, and being in a, in a community where you have accountability, you have, you know, permission to poke into each other's lives and, and you're, you're doing that in a way that is authentically loving and caring and grace filled, mm-hmm. uh, just an incredible, um, potential to, to, to see in, in small groups. And, and I've experienced that in, in small groups and I've experienced, um, People come to faith in small groups because mm. they're able to ask those questions where there's not, they're not, they don't have another community, another place to ask those real questions. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Those are great, great places and opportunities to, to put yourself out there even a little bit more to, to risk a little bit relationally. Um, and the, the payoff is, is really extraordinary at times, the way that other people can speak into your life. They can offer that that spiritual guidance and direction, even though we don't often call it that. Yeah. But I mean, that's what, that's what we do together in small groups. We, uh, we push each other and we challenge each other and we encourage each other and, and, and love each other. And again, towards these things, towards um, just following Christ more diligently in a more dedicated way and a more focused way. Yeah, I know. Certainly when, when I think of uh, diligence and dedication and stuff, I'm, I've been a part of small groups where, you know, I don't feel like going every week or every mm. two weeks. I don't always feel like it's the place I want to be. And yet, and yet you, you, you kind of go because you want to invest in the community and in, in you want to contribute as well as receive from that community. Yeah. And then over the years, you build this community that, that, that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And uh, the, the ability to, to invest and be dedicated and be diligent and investing in communities such that when those life things happen uh, that can be challenging, those life things happen where there's big learning, those uh, transition points happen where God is at work doing something really neat that you might not see if you don't have people around you. Now you've mm. got a community that can help to, to speak into that and to and to help you through that. And, and, and it's kind of like the farmer who can go to, uh, you know, uh, has to wait a while to see the payoff. Yeah. And sometimes that's it with building community in any sphere, whether it's small Absolutely. groups or, or in, in any other way as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, we are out of time, um, but don't worry. We get to do this again next week because Yay. you are preaching this Sunday and you are preaching on foolish controversies. Foolish controversies, yeah. Yes. So sort of springboarding off what Paul said around the soldier analogy where we can be distracted sometimes by mm. things that get us get us off course. And, and so foolish controversies is one of those things that uh, that Paul talks about in First and Second Timothy and Titus that, that can get us distracted from what's really important. So we're going to talk a little bit about foolish controversy. Awesome. So looking forward to it. Thank you, Brad. Uh, and thank you for listening along. And we'll see you next week here on Postscript. Postscript.